Once you start making stuff for yourself that's self-motivating, right? It, like um, I told somebody to start a podcast, and I said the first time you get some feedback email, that will kick you in the rear end to keep doing the podcast. It becomes, it becomes um, you know, life is a verb, I always say, and you have to actually act. But by acting, you change everything in your future. Um, another guy said to me, it's a great line. He said, with podcasts, it's not always how many people are listening. Sometimes it's who they are, mm. right? So my grandmother's philosophy was always that you should keep walking and talking. But in her era, walking and talking meant going and shaking people's hands. I and mean, now you can network like through the internet and you never are really shaking people's hands, but you may have a podcast with only a hundred listeners. Things open up in ways that you can't predict because you started doing something. And that was a Monday motivation from Dan Carlin on the Joe Rogan show. I hope you're feeling motivated this fine Monday morning. Hope it's not too miserable for you right now. Hey, this cold snap is kind of mad, you know. Like, seriously, winter is by far my, my least favourite season. It doesn't even matter about Christmas or anything like that. That doesn't actually make things better for me. I hate winter. I cannot wait until spring. I mean, summer's, summer's overrated because sometimes it's too hot. But, and also the wasps. I can't stand wasps. But yeah, um, it's bloody cold outside, mate. Anyway... What have we got in this week's podcast? It's been a funny week this week for um, streaming and stuff. Going to touch on what's happened with Netflix and Disney+. Plus. One of them has been hacked and people are selling Disney Plus accounts on the dark web. And Netflix went out of commission for a couple of hours. We're going to be talking about that. Also, Black Friday is this week are you looking to buy a tv um i've got a message asking about if i could do some stuff on buying tvs what tv should you get what's the best type of tv to get what should you be aware of when buying a new tv we're going to be talking about that and the different types of options available when purchasing a smart tv we're going to be talking about that and also would you pay to use social media Gmail users are being stealth taxed to use email. Very, very sneaky move by Google. We're going to be talking about that and more right after the intro. Are you sure you can blame it on social media? Flexing is good for business. Spending money makes you money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week. Redesigned. You've got to put in the effort every single day. Running a business isn't for everyone. They need role models and not just movie stars and athletes. We are the digital influencers. They're creating content. There's no denying the power of digital media, but it also poses a real challenge. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Redesigned podcast. It's Andrew, aka Mr. Box. This is episode 54. Don't forget, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts right now, don't forget to leave a review, hopefully five stars, if you like the podcast. I haven't had a review on Apple Podcasts for a minute, you know. It seems like everyone's kind of moved over to Spotify. Anyway, if you're locked in and you are on Twitter, get involved in the conversation using the hashtag RedesignPod. Let me know what platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. 
let me know. And if you are a long-time listener of the show and you haven't yet hit the subscribe button, I'd appreciate if you do that, if you could hit subscribe or follow whichever platform you're listening on so you don't miss another episode. With that being said, let's crack on with this week's podcast. Yeah, it's been a crazy week for streaming. There's been a lot of hype around the launch of Disney Plus, which happened on the 12th of November, just last week. And uh, already there is a passer going on. Disney Plus accounts have been sold on the dark web. People have managed to hack people's accounts. And it's not very secure right now. And uh, Disney are keeping very, very quiet about this. Funny that because Netflix was down for two hours just yesterday. So users were reporting error messages. And this is a global outage, by the way. Like, I've never, ever heard of this before. So Netflix went down for a whole two hours. So a lot of people weren't able to Netflix and chill. I want to bring everybody up to speed on these reports of Netflix uh, with some kind of outage. On the phone, Kurt Knudsen, our cyber guy. Can you tell us how extensive this outage may be, Kurt? Stuart, rather extensive. This is not good news for Netflix, especially as the streaming wars really heat up. We're, we have global reports at this point. First from the UK, we've got reports in Europe, Eastern Asia, and now here in the US of an outage for the streaming service. Many people encountering a message that says, currently experiencing issues streaming on all devices. If you go to the Netflix website, they're repeating that same message, and there is no indication when it will be resolved. Ah, uh, it's looking peak. I bet you, I bet you there's some sabotage between the two camps. It's the mouse, I'm telling you. It's the mouse. I'm showing you. He's responsible for making Netflix go down. I'm showing you. Now, would you see yourself paying for social media? I know it seems like a mad concept. I know it seems a bit far-fetched. Um, social media is supposed to be free. But, but email was supposed to be free. Things like Gmail, Outlook and all that stuff. They've kind of... They've always been free in the past. Hotmail, Outlook, but they found a way to monetize because of one thing, storage. Like the kind of file attachments we send these days, they're so they're so big, they don't fit in normal emails. So you kind of have to use their storage platforms, whether it's G Drive, whether it's Google Drive, or if it's um, Outlook have their own um, cloud um platform as well where you can send larger files um so what gmail have recently done is um they've decided that they are going to have one tier one entry tier of um storage which is 100 gig the average user doesn't really need 100 gig of you know storage for email but um people that have exceeded this amount have had their email stopped and the only way around it is to actually start paying. I know it's only a measly $1.99 a month, but when you add that up across their user base, it comes up to the billions. Um, very, very cheeky, Google. Very, very cheeky. So storage is no longer free. That's right. So Gmail back in 2004 was very famous because it came out and said one gigabyte of free storage for everyone. And, and you know, people used to be obsessed with managing their inboxes with Yahoo and other services. And then and then it was no longer an issue. And now basically 
that 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 free deal still exists, but it's not it's not it's not getting better. And then Google has pulled some other strings to 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 make some free cloud offers that it had before basically go away or not be quite as good. Well, and some of those strings is actually how you stumbled upon this story, right? Yeah, I suppose that. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, that, so there was a there was a very good deal when you buy a Chromebook, which is the cheap laptops that, that run Google Google's operating system. When you bought those, you used to get two years of 100 gigabytes of free storage for for the, for the cloud service Google Drive. That has now gone down to one year only, and it's through this new program called Google One, which is a which is basically a paid subscription program, and basically Google is is pushing that a lot more and so one of the things we found on Twitter especially was Gmail users finding out that they weren't getting emails and then they were messaging Google and saying what's going on and they said oh all you have to do is pay $1.99 a month and it'll be fine. Okay so we know it costs $1.99 a month in the perspective of Google what does that represent to them? Yeah, so 199 for 100 gigabytes a month, and then I think it's 299 if you want to go higher than that. Um, so that doesn't sound like very much, but it, but I just did some back of the envelope calculations. If you if you have a billion Gmail users, if only 10% of those do the 199 a month deal, that's I think 2.4 billion dollars in new, new annual revenue for Google, which is a lot. And the key here, not only is it annual revenue, but it is recurring revenue. They will count on this monthly and yearly. Is that what analysts had also been hoping for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's not so great for, for you and I because that, that cost goes on forever. But, but for, for, the, for Wall Street, that, that's fantastic, right? That's what Wall Street really loves is a, is a recurring cloud subscription revenue type business. And, and Apple has done it with iCloud very well for a few years. And Google is kind of following them now. What is the elasticity, the stickiness of Gmail? So I'm going to pay or shut off my email. What does the customer do? Yeah, so actually the elasticity question is, is, is a really good one. It's not just about email, but it's about all the other files you store because Google One includes emails and other things attached to those emails, but it also includes photos and things like that. And the, Specifically on email, if I send you an important message and you miss it, that's terrible. And you have all your other online accounts attached to an email account, so it's very hard to change. But then on the photo side, if you have 5,000 photos from the past five years, for instance, you don't want to just suddenly delete it or put it somewhere where you might, where you might lose those photos. So, so the incentive is to just, just upgrade and pay. You're going to give people ideas now, you know? What's to say that, you know, in the future, social media are not going to start charging us for the bandwidth because obviously we post pictures, we post videos, and that takes up storage on their servers. What if they turned around and said, hey, you know what? You're going to have to pay for this, you know, otherwise we're going to suspend your account. I think people are going to pay if that was to happen. What do you think? Hit me up on the hashtag redesignpod. Let me know, do you think it is a possibility that we could eventually be paying for social media usage. And secondly, would you pay for your social media accounts if you were notified that you'd gone over your storage limits and the only way to keep your accounts was to pay a monthly or recurring fee? Hit me up on the hashtag redesign pod on Twitter or you can follow me on the socials on Instagram at Andrew underscore CBX. Don't forget you can follow the Redesign Podcast account as well. That's Redesign Pod, all one word on Instagram. Things that make you go, hmm.
Did you know there's a time machine for the web which kind of transports you to earlier versions of practically any website on the planet and its entire history of revisions? It's called Wayback Machine. If you go to web.archive.org, you will see the website called the Internet Archive Wayback Machine. And that lets you look at more than 391 billion different web pages saved over time. You can literally go and look at the first version of Google or the first version of Facebook or the first version of YouTube or even your own websites. It's like, it's amazing. Like I've seen some of the websites I used to host back in the day. I used to run a internet radio station called Melody One. And I just went back and I was like, wow, this was really how websites were back in 2009. Hmm. Amazing stuff. So if you go to web.archive.org, you can actually look at your favorite shops, maybe your own websites that you've may long you may have long forgotten. It's all recorded on that archive. Hit me up and let me know if you've seen any interesting old websites that you've come across on the uh, Wayback Machine. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. What we gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. Sharp is changing its TVs to the breathtaking quality of LCD. Nice one. So you've been checking out the new Viera Plasma? I certainly have, you smug git. 42 inch high def. Amazing picture. Blast off. For a TV with near CD quality stereo sound, consider the Panasonic Prism A series with its unique dome sound system. Panasonic Prism A series TVs, the state of the art. So it's Black Friday this week and you're wondering what TV to buy. It's a tough decision to buy a TV. I mean, the cycle for most people, it's not like upgrading your phone. Like most people upgrade their phone every two years. But buying a TV is a big commitment. Probably the top 10 home purchases you'll make. And uh, it's going to probably be the centerpiece of your living room if you're like me. Apart from... Uh, the rest of the furniture i mean the tv is kind of like the heart of the sitting room i don't know what do you think that's that's how i see it anyway but anyway you want to buy a tv and there's so many different options so many different sizes so much tech so much jargon and you just don't know what to do and i'll be honest with you a lot of the people no disrespect to anyone who works in audio or tv sales some of the more well-known places that people buy electronics the staff don't know shit they don't know anything they just waffle for five years i worked as a tv and audio specialist for john lewis shout out to john lewis because they've got the best deals in terms of aftercare if you buy a tv with them i don't get paid to promote this i'm just telling you guys the truth if you buy a tv from john lewis you will get a free five-year guarantee as standard with all TVs. That, that's, some, that's a policy they've always had um, as long as I can remember. But anyway, shop assistants are not always the most knowledgeable. 
when it comes to buying a TV. So you kind of got to do your own research. A good place to start is by looking at reviews online. Obviously, that's a good that's a good shout. But the problem with reviews is that just because someone says it's good or it's bad, if it's not a professional independent review, then you got to take it with a pinch of salt. You got to understand what you're using the TV for and what features would benefit you more than others. You got kind of like it's kind of like choosing a mobile phone tariff. It's not really one size fits all. It depends on the nature of how you view TV. And in the digital age, we watch TV a lot differently to how we used to back in the day. We don't have the TV on for as, as many hours. That's one. We're not watching as much free to air or subscription TV. That's two. There's different types of content. We're streaming. We're playing video games. We are connecting it to things like Spotify. Um, so there's different things that are going to be put into consideration when you're buying a TV. And if you've got kids that are constantly on their game consoles in the front room, then that's something you need to take into consideration as well. If you're someone who prefers sports to movies or if you just want an all round TV, that's something you've got to look at as well. So one of my friends sent me a message and he said he wanted some advice on buying a TV. So I thought, all right, you know what? Since it's Black Friday, I'll put together this episode and, and run through some of the things that are important. Um, one of the most important things, especially if you're price conscious, is to make sure you shop around and also try and visit a showroom. Have a look at the TV that you think you want to buy. If you can find the TV and try it out, look at the picture. Obviously, take it with a pinch of salt because you know what? TV sales people use all kinds of tricks. They whack up the contrast and the brightness and they put on the best, the best visual. So you're like, wow, look at that screen. And that might not be an accurate reflection of how it's going to perform when you take it home. So bear that in mind. Yeah. So try and get those model numbers and then look at price comparison sites online and also look at the aftercare because there's no use just paying the absolute bottom price and getting a one year guarantee. And as soon as it goes wrong, then you're stuffed. Like sometimes think about the guarantee and the aftercare. That's very important because it can be an expensive purchase, you know, especially when you're going for the bigger size TVs or especially if you're going for the ones with the newer technology such as 4K. 4K is not really new technology, but if you're looking at bigger screens with OLED, which is a newer technology, uh, yeah, they can get quite pricey. So I'm going to talk about some of the, the technologies involved and what you need to look out for. So good thing about the price of these TVs compared to when they first came out, all these flat screen TVs. Listen, they were so expensive. You know, I was on the Wayback Machine while doing the research for this podcast. I went on to johnlewis.com and I remember when I was selling these TVs back in 2003 when uh, flat screen TVs weren't really the norm. If you was a celebrity, if you was rich, that's when you would have a flat screen TV. The rest of us had to make do with our big back CRTs. And um, just for context, the 22 inch Panasonic LCD TV back in 2003 was 2,500. Just deep that for a second, 22 inches. 22 inches for two and a half K. Yeah? Hey, we've got it good now. Uh, fast forward to 2006, a Pioneer 43 inch plasma was 2,500. But today you could bag a 43 inch Samsung 4K LED smart TV for just 329 pounds. 
right? So you you see how much you can get for your money. At the moment, you can get a decent sized TV for under four hundred pounds. Yeah, but these days the the screen sizes, the average screen size is getting bigger and bigger. Probably because obviously they're getting a lot cheaper to make. That's probably why back in the day the average TV size I think it was about twenty eight inches. 25 to 28 inches if you had a 32 inch back in the day you was balling i don't know i didn't get um i didn't go any bigger than uh, 28 until i actually moved out and then my first tv was a 40 inch sony bravia i think I, how much did i pay for that i paid about 1100 pounds for that and that was back in 2007 for a 40 inch bravia now that would get me i think that would get me like a 65 inch it's kind of mad how they're priced now anyway but anyway let's get into the technical side of things so when it comes to screen size ideally you want to have half the seating distance the the number of inches ideally should be half of the distance between where you're sitting and where the screen actually is um just to let you know though you don't want to go too big otherwise a trip to the opticians is pending for you when I got my Sony Bravia, it was, I think it was too big for the room. And that's when I started to have problems with my eyes. I did work an office job, but I think the beginning of my problems was <laughs> that massive TV, literally just two and a half meters away from me. Ah, hindsight is a wonderful thing, eh? But yeah, um, it's not a competition. It should complement your room. Don't try and get the biggest TV you can find. I mean, do it. It's up to you. But remember, your eyes are going to suffer. Your eyes are not going to thank you for it. It's not easy out here, you know, going to the opticians every 12 months and forking out on lenses, glasses, prescriptions and all that, frames. It's not fun, you know? It's not fun. Cherish your eyesight. You only have one pair of eyes. Look after them, yeah? And to be fair with you, if your TV is too big for the room, the quality looks higgy anyway because the, the pixels are just too in your face. You need some distance, you know? You need some distance. It's like, you know, if you look at those massive billboards, you know, they look amazing. But you stand really close to a billboard and you can see the, the imperfections and the dots. You don't want to see that with your TV. So make sure that the TV is the right size for your room. Now, to 4K or not to 4K, if you're going under 40 inches, you're probably not going to find very many 4K TVs in that room. So if you're buying a, a smaller unit, like maybe a 32 inch or 37 inch, you probably won't find any 4K TVs. And there's probably no point because to really appreciate it, your eyes may not even be able to you know, distinguish the difference at the, at the viewing distance that you're watching for you to like warrant spending extra money on getting a 4k set but if you're getting a 50 inch 50 inch plus yeah standardly you should get the 4k don't buy a tv without 4k because you're gonna you're gonna miss out basically like you want to future proof yourself from now you want to get as much bang for your buck as possible so with 4k there's lots of 4k content around i feel do you know what i really feel sorry for th those people that bought curved tvs what is that do you know anyone who's got a curved tv i know that was a, a little phase that the the market went through back in 
2015 and 16 people were buying curved TVs I don't know what that is all about um, I, and I was actually considering it thank god I know I would have regretted it a curved TV let me know if you know anyone who's got a curved TV or if you've got a curved TV yourself and do you regret buying a curved TV but anyway um, yeah so I was talking about content so there's lots of different 4k content out there um, you can get it on Netflix Amazon YouTube Sky Q has a 4k service Disney Plus which has just been released that's got 4k as well um, but you know what's really mad the terrestrial and freeview channels a lot of them are not even HD yet I don't get it because HD has been around for about hmm HD the first commercially available service in the UK for HD was Sky HD and that came out in 2007 but before that um, people were still able to get like um, things like Blu-ray I think it was the re- with the release of the PS3 that's when people started to watch HD content that was the first HD content available so that was a long time ago you know but there's still there's still channels that are not even in HD and Sky are taking money of people and people are still paying for subscription TV I think the time time is definitely ticking for those guys but anyway yeah 4k especially with netflix looks amazing you need to pay attention to the the sort of panels and the connections that tv has so there are four main types of uh, tv panel you've got lcd you've got led you've got oled otherwise known as oled and you've got qled which is qled which is fronted by uh samsung samsung are the ones that are promoting qled gonna do my best to explain what these mean for you but those are the four main types so that the panels themselves are only manufactured by two major players those are samsung and lg oled is manufactured by a company called lg with oled tvs each individual pixel lights up so essentially that is way better for contrast and color yeah and the viewing angle is a lot better so it's amazing if you have a seating arrangement where people are dotted around the room they're not all clustered in one place so you would get a more stable picture from all angles of the room if you go for oled tv right but bear in mind yeah that is not a good setup if you have a lot of ambient light in your room so Different rooms have different amount of light sources. So how many lamps you have, the position of your your lights, and also how big your windows are and where your house is facing. So if you're in a place, if you live in a place where there's a lot of natural light, yeah, and you have an OLED TV, it might not be great for you unless that room is dark, unless you have a lot of control over the light in in that room. An OLED TV might not be for you, yeah? You might want to go for a QLED TV. So QLED we're talking about Samsung Samsung TVs those are your your QLED TVs which are a lot brighter they use a separate panel in the back to light up the screen yeah so those TVs are better in terms of if you have a really bright room the the brightness of these TVs are a lot better in comparison to OLED TVs Uh, with that being said OLED TVs give you a more cinematic image Uh, QLED is more for like overall general use so bear that in mind 
any other variety so for example um your other uh, manufacturers jvc toshiba whichever philips those are those tend to be led tvs unless otherwise stated so um they're kind of good for like all round use um and if you do have problems with the lighting setup in your in your room so for example i spoke about ambient light and um, other additional light sources if there's a lot of light pollution in the room and um, that can cause issues with things like oled tv then you know the standard led or samsung's q led will probably be a better bet for you unless you don't mind the reflections and the glare and stuff like that or having to like close your blinds all the time um also a thing to be aware of all the manufacturers actually use either samsung or lg panels so that doesn't mean that all the tvs are the same but it means that they use very similar technology okay so how they look depends on what kind of processes each manufacturer is using to create the picture um i'll give you an example so with sony sony tvs tend to uh, be renowned for their motion handling yeah those tvs are very good with sports fast motion action movies that kind of stuff um not a lot of lag so they're very reliable in terms of that um and also their their contrast ratio and, and colors very very vibrant and if you look at tvs from panasonic they have a slightly different look because of their relationship with hollywood their focus is more on color accuracy so if you want a more cinematic experience then you might want to look at going for a panasonic tv yeah check out the panasonic ones with those color accuracy is is more of a priority for them yeah and then if you look at lg these panels tend to be like less realistic they're more vivid the images are a lot punchier. So those are kind of like meant for people who are more interested in sports and gaming. If you're interested in watching sports, if you're a hardcore gamer, then maybe looking to get in an LG. Samsung, um, they're kind of like an all-rounder, I would say. Um, and they have the best looking designs. I'm not going to lie. Design-wise, they have the sleekest panels that I've seen anyway. I think Sony are a close second, but if you want overall quality and reliability, I don't think you can get better than Sony or Panasonic till this day. Uh, just saying, I mean, they are more expensive and you do get what you pay for. You really do in life. Um, the only thing with OLED TVs, they are susceptible to what's called burning. So if you're watching a TV channel that has the logo in the same place and you leave it there for a long period of time and you don't turn your TV off, that logo if you have a static image on there it can burn in kind of like how the how it was with the old plasma tvs and that's why they phased out plasma technology they, they didn't last that long and they always had these issues with stuff burning into the screen which you don't get with lcd or qled um but yeah moving on to sound sound is very important especially with the smaller screens the sound is terrible this is where a lot of TVs fall down. It's in the sound department. So what you want to do is you want to get a sound bar with a subwoofer. So make sure you look at those options as well. Like I said, go to the showroom. Don't worry too much about the picture. 
listen to the sound that's coming out of the TV. Yeah? And if possible, go and try some different sound docks. Bring your phone, Bluetooth some things over to it. Bluetooth a YouTube video or something. Uh, Bluetooth something off your Spotify and just test and just see what sounds good to you. Because it's down to your own individual preference at the end of the day. Sometimes you could look at reviews and they don't tell you an accurate story. It's just, that's just consumer electronics for you. So with sound, make sure you are aware that the bigger screens tend to have better sound, but don't take my word for it. Go and check them out yourself. In terms of tech features, some TVs have things like voice activation, Google Assistant. So you can actually talk to your TV and tell it what source to, um, to select. So whether you want to watch a specific channel or if you want to change to a specific input, uh, move it over to your gaming or your Apple TV or your Xbox or your PlayStation or whichever. Um, and you can do that. So look for things like voice activation. That might be an option. Obviously, it's going to be on a select uh, number of TVs, but that's something to be aware of. That feature is quite useful for some. Also, the software that's built in. Sony TVs use Android streaming apps. So you want to make sure that it's got things like YouTube, Spotify, um some of them are actually being pre-installed with all these new services on there so it'd be a good idea to find out what services are like in the box when you open your tv um but i wouldn't pay too much attention to that because at the end of the day it's kind of like buying a car with built-in sat nav the support for the updates and stuff like that, it doesn't last that long. So you may be better off getting something like an Apple TV box externally and um, you'll be able to like get new apps and updates because some TVs, they just don't support the new upgrades of um, the, um, the app. So for example, Netflix, I'm reading some reports about certain TVs where the built-in Netflix just stops, just stops working because they don't support the upgrades for it. So be mindful of that. You may want to invest in something like an Apple TV box from the jump or something like an Amazon Fire Stick or a Chromecast or something like that. So as I mentioned before, the extended warranty from wherever you're buying it from, make sure that you get an extended warranty if you can. Or if you buy it from John Lewis, you'll get the five-year guarantee as standard. The last thing I would say to look out for is uh, inputs. Depending on how many things you're going to connect to your TV, make sure you've got enough um, from the gate because you don't want to buy extenders and things because it gets a little bit messy. Um, HDMI, we're talking about the HDMI ports. Make sure you've got enough HDMI ports for, for example, your Apple TV or PlayStation or if you've got a DVD player or a Blu-ray player, if you want to hook that up or your laptop, make sure you've got enough HDMI ports. The more HDMI ports a TV has, obviously the more expensive it will be. Um, the simple economics. And uh, finally, a new feature called HDMI 2.1. That's the latest version of HDMI, which supports HDR, which is high dynamic range. Basically, it just makes your picture look way better. I'm not gonna go into the details of what HDR is. If you don't know what HDR is, Google it. Um, it also supports 4K 60 frames per second. So if you're a proper gamer, like I mean a proper hardcore gamer, then that would matter to you. And it gives you something called variable refresh rate technology, which kind of prevents lag on the high-end gaming systems. So you've got uh, Google Stadia, which is, which is already out now. They have 4K 60 
And also there's a new PlayStation 5 coming out next year as well. So that will be um, ideal, not essential, but ideal for the new generation of gaming consoles. Um, so yeah, make sure you do your research. Remember, there are four main players. There's lots of other players. You know, don't listen to me. I have said that the four main players are Samsung, Sony, Panasonic and LG. You, you kind of can tell by, you know, if you go to Curry's or Argos or wherever you want to buy your TV or John Lewis, those are the main, those are the main manufacturers that you'll see floating around. But there are other manufacturers and uh, don't be afraid to look at other options as well because there are only two main manufacturers making the panels. So Samsung and LG, they sell those panels to all the other manufacturers and that's why they're a bit cheaper as well. So don't look down on a Samsung or LG because they're cheaper. The reason why they're cheaper is because they can afford to subsidize their prices because they are licensing that technology to all the other makes. So they're using their panels. Yeah. So that's why they're a bit cheaper. So um, yeah, I hope that's been useful for you. Hit me up. Let me know if you're in the market for a new TV, uh, what your TV buying experiences are. How big is your TV? Because you know what? People are going mad these days. Like I live in a flat, right? And I saw one of the, the like, you know, when you go to the skip, you can see the bins. I'm thinking, how is someone fitting a 65 inch TV into this sitting room? Because the sitting rooms are all roughly about the same size. 65 inch TV in a two bedroom flat. I don't know, man. I don't know. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Anyway, with that being said, that is it for this week's podcast. Yeah, we'll be back for more fun and games next week. Don't forget, cool school tickets are still available. Limited early bird tickets are available. Cool school is the night school and social club for grown-ups. Launching on January the 9th. Uh... Yeah, it's a place where you can network, learn new stuff, make new friends. And that is kicking off in the new year. If you want more information, follow Cool School Gram or go to thisiscoolschool.com and grab your tickets. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hit me up on the Twitter with the hashtag RedesignPod. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on the socials at Andrew underscore CBX. So uh, yeah, that's it for this week. I'm gone. Have a good week. Take care and bye for now. We, 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 we